Psalm 124. Continuing our Bible study here in the book of Psalms. Start with our summary statement. Psalm 124 praises God for his past deliverances of Israel. and the assurance of future deliverance through his name. We'll go over that again. Psalm 124 praises God for his past deliverances of Israel and the assurance of future deliverance through his name. Simple outline for the psalm in two parts, verses 1 to 5, the danger. Verses 6 to 8, the deliverance. Let's go over that one more time. Verses 1 to 5, the danger. Verses 6 to 8, the deliverance. All right, so we'll go to our observations. Psalm 124 is a psalm of David, as you see in the superscription there, a song of degrees of David. So the superscription ascribes it to him. Um, There's no musical direction in the text of this psalm, uh, although the psalm is written um, somewhat rhythmically. Uh, and even suggestive of some call and response. Um, so uh, certainly intended for singing. There's no specific occasion that is given. And of course, David experienced many personal deliverances and ha- so has Israel. And the psalm is more communal than individual and it sees past deliverances as patterns and assurances of future deliverances and therefore reasons for praise to God. Now, Psalm 124, to categorize it, it is a psalm of ascent, and that is the group of psalms beginning at Psalm 120 and going through Psalm 134. So this is now the fifth psalm of that 15-psalm group of the Psalms of Ascent. The minor elements of the psalm, um, it would be a a praise or thanksgiving psalm. And specifically, there's praise here for deliverance from men who would devour and destroy Israel. We also see some minor elements of creation Uh, reference to God as creator and then various elements of the creation such as floods and um, wild animals and and things like that. Now Psalm 124 connects with the rest of the ascent psalms and so we're still seeing uh, a theme of exile and the universal reign of God and so when you read this psalm Um, One of the difficulties when 
uh, scholars try to pinpoint some occasion for the writing of the psalm is that it, it's spoken in very general terms and so it, you, it really just defies being pinned down to any one particular instance or occasion and so it serves as sort of a, a general psalm referencing the afflictions and particularly those that they've encountered from their enemies. And again, it goes along with um, the exile theme. Now, Yahweh as maker of heaven and earth is in this psalm. And that's one of the repeated phrases we've talked about in the Psalms of Ascent. And so there's certainly some themes that run through. There's some progression that runs through the Psalms of Ascent. And there also are some repeated words and phrases and God the maker of heaven and earth is is one of those and we see that in this psalm and then when you get to the end of psalm 124 you have an expression of confidence that fits very well with the laments and the petitions for deliverance that have proceeded even in these psalms of ascent so in, in some ways, um, we talked about, we've talked about how s- some of these psalms you know, end on a cliffhanger. There's no response. There's no um, word. And so here is sort of a response, in a sense, um, from the, the community that's thanking and, and praising God and expressing that confidence that God will deliver. Now, the poetic features of Psalm 124 are obviously a, a rhythmic structure, um, and you can even, even in the, you know, the translation, you can get some, some sense of the rhythmic structure of the psalm when you read through it. We also see some of the staircase parallelism that we've talked about um, previously. We see some of that um, in the psalm as well. We, you notice that the psalm uses an, an if-then um, sort of, of structure to begin this psalm, and it, it's the sort of thing that provides for reflection Um, and maybe one way that I would compare it to our experience um, you you know you we've you've probably had the experience maybe of something comes up you know you're 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 late and you you get away from the house late and then you come up to this intersection where there's been a terrible car wreck and you know if you're like me in 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 some of those kind of moments you think you know here I was griping about whatever it was that was holding me up and you know if I'd have been a few minutes earlier I might have been here at the time that this happened and you just kind of reflect on that well you know if and sometimes you you do that with things in your past maybe sometimes you do that with things with your family and you think about well if this had happened you know um, what terrible thing that that might have been, but um, this happened, and so it's actually um, a a moment of thanksgiving. Well, that's kind of the the effect of this psalm. It's it's sort of reflective in that sense of reflecting on if and and then in terms of Israel and their enemies. We certainly see some repetition in the psalm. Uh, that's phrases and even terms. The psalm does use some imagery, so we have the enemies here, um, and again, no particular enemies are indicated, but we have enemies here, and they're depicted as wild and vicious animals, they're depicted as bloodthirsty hunters, Um, they're even 
um, depicted as raging floodwaters. Um, so we have a lot of imagery that's used in that regard. And one other aspect of the poetic feature of this psalm, and this again is one of those things where there's probably um, a proper literary term for this. I, I have no idea what it is if, or if there is. But I'm, I, will, I called it um, isolation or elimination, sort of the effect of this psalm. So when you see how the, the psalm is constructed and you get to verse number 8, you realize that verse 8 is the inevitable conclusion. It's, it's the only conclusion. If it had not been for the name of Yahweh, Israel would have been completely destroyed. So the isolation or the elimination effect that I'm, that I'm referring to is the fact that any, any other source of hope or help or deliverance for Israel is eliminated in this psalm. And so God, is, God, is, God alone is isolated as the answer, as the help, as the deliverer for this psalm. And again, the way it's constructed, you, it leads you to this inevitable conclusion in verse number 8. All right, so we want to work our way through this psalm, uh, eight verses, so I'll go ahead and read these. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side... Now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, the stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So verses 1 and 2 open up and give us the if statement um, of the psalm. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And then it's repeated, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Now, immediately we, we see that those pronouns, us and our, um, refer to Israel. And that is the sort of the communal aspect of this thanksgiving. Israel, of course, God's chosen people with whom he has covenanted everlasting promises. Now, um, when you look at the enemy here, mentioned in verse number 2, as men who rose up against us, the word for men is Adam. Um, and so it's, it's general or generic, in a sense, for humankind. It's, it's not... A particular enemy. It's not nations um, that are under consideration, but essentially all of Israel's enemies um, rising up from out of mankind in, in, in essence. Now the language of rising up is actually a, a military type of language as in rising up for war or battle. Um, we have, we've encountered it a number of times when um, the psalmist is, is praying for God to rise up um, and to take action um, against the enemies, uh, things such as that. But here it is those that are rising up against Israel. And the implication being, which is what's borne out in the rest of the psalm, is that they're rising up to destroy Israel. That's, that's the purpose, um, to destroy 
um, Israel. Now, with all the with all the threats that Israel has encountered, this if statement reflects on the fact that if the Lord had not been on their side, if the Lord had not been for them, the implication is um, that Israel had been destroyed. Now, um, obviously, as you as you proceed through the psalm. Um, the effect of, of the, that isolation effect um, points to Yahweh as the sole reason that Israel has not been destroyed. It's because of him and it's because of his name that they have not been destroyed. So um, verses 1 and 2 give us that if statement that opens up that reflective aspect of the psalm. Then verses 3 to 5 give us the then statement. So we have if then. Um, and what we get here is the imagery, particularly, that portrays the enemy as vicious wild animals or as raging floods. So the danger here for Israel, if the Lord was not on their side, the danger was being swallowed up or being devoured, as you can, might think of a, of a lion that's just you know, ripping into and tearing uh, and devouring its prey. Um, and and the, other, the other danger is that of being overflowed and carried away by raging floodwaters. And sometimes we have this imagery um, in, throughout the Old Testament as well as, as well as other places here in the Psalms that the enemy is like a great sweeping flood. And we certainly know the power um, that floodwaters um, possess and they can just essentially wipe out anything in their path. Now, the repetition of soul here, and we get, we get that here. Um, we get that in uh, verse 4. The waters had gone over our soul. Uh, verse 5, the proud waters gone over our soul. And we, we get some repetition of soul. And, of course, soul is a reference to the inner being of man and, and is a, essentially put for the whole person. And so the point is that the danger was being completely wiped out, being cut off from the land of the living. Verses 6 to 7 now turn in this psalm and turn toward the praise. And we get this blessed be the Lord. And we've encountered this term um, before. And essentially the word means to kneel before the Lord. Um, it's not that we're blessing the Lord by giving him anything or um, you know, we're contributing to his greatness in any way by doing anything for him. It, it's, it's an expression of, of worship, bow, kneel before the Lord. Um, so the, the Lord is, you might say, is worthy to be praised. So this is indicating worship and praise um, of the Lord. He has saved Israel. He will save Israel from the teeth that would tear and devour them. So uh, snatched, as it were, um, from the, the jaws of the lion, you might say. And he delivers them as well. And you get that in verse number 7. The, um, the, it shifts the metaphor there. And we get the imagery of a, of a bird trapped in a snare that has been laid by hunters um, to, you know, to take the bird. And so he's, he delivers them from the trap of the hunter. And, we, and again, this is language that we see very commonly for the various ways. The trap of the hunter is obviously the more um, stealthy, you know, the more subtle approach 
uh, at trying to undermine and destroy Israel. Rising up as like the waters of a flood is, is a lot more obvious open frontal attack. And then we get to verse 8. So this is our concluding confidence and hope. And again, the, when you read through this psalm, you realize that everything is just leading you to this conclusion. And, and it's, it's the inevitable, inescapable conclusion. It's the only possible conclusion um, that we get here in verse number 8. Israel's help is said to be in the name of Yahweh. And this is a similar expression to Psalm 121 um, and verse number 2, I think it is there. Um, so what, what, one of the things that we have seen in, in the Psalms, and it's not just in the Psalms, but in the Psalms we have seen that these references to Yahweh's name is a covenantal reference because his name is the security of his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and with the nation that he has chosen from them. So if it weren't for his name, they're saying, Israel would have been destroyed and would have been forgotten. But his name stands as the security of the covenant promises that he has made to this people that he will not forget, he will not forsake, and he will preserve, and he will deliver them. And so that, again, that's our inevitable conclusion and so the psalmist says that's where our help is our help is in the name of the lord because that secures his promises to us and his care for us now we also get the ending reference there the lord who made heaven and earth and so in god being the creator the maker of heaven and earth um, he overcomes all elements of creation in other words God is greater than everything that he has created, whether, whether it is powerful beings, um, whether it is large objects, what, whatever, whatever the case may be. God being the creator is greater than everything that he has created, and he has created everything. So God, he overcomes all elements of the creation that oppose him and that oppose his people of Israel. All right, let's go to interpretation. So again, Psalm 124 teaches that God is the only source of help, and that and there, it is really emphasized in this psalm, um, not just in the words that are expressed, but again in the structure of the psalm, the way that it's put together, the way that it leads us. Um, through the reflective portion of the if-then and, and getting to the end and that conclusion, um, God is the only source of help. So this isolation or elimination effect concludes that God is the only help. Now, when we think about the general statement um, that we have in this psalm, the, the statement of men rising up against Israel, and again, not nations, not any particular people or nations or anything like that but just the most general word for mankind um, rising up against Israel well when you get that sort of generalization what you have then is going to be inclusive of all enemies so this psalm is not locked into any one particular time period it, it doesn't only reflect on 
um, the Lord's deliverance of Israel from Egypt, for instance. It doesn't only reflect on the Lord's deliverance of Israel from the Assyrians or the Babylonians or um, whatever, whatever um, other threat and danger, the Philistines and, and what have you that they encountered, but rather it, it covers them all. So throughout, as, as men have risen up against Israel to destroy them, God has delivered them. So this psalm means that there, there is no other explanation than the name of Yahweh securing his covenant that Israel has not been destroyed. And if you um, read the, the history of Israel, um, it's, it's just remarkable. Uh, the amount of hatred, um, the amount of uh, just demonic motivated um, hatred that has sought to destroy them throughout history. Um, the only explanation for how that they still exist as a people is, is that God is securing and is preserving them. So along, and of course, along with this goes all the sovereignty aspect. God's greater than the, than the creation. He's greater than all, and he's over all, and he rules over all, and he you know, defeats the enemies and, and keeps his promises. Now, the messianic hope of this psalm is seen particularly through this covenantal deliverance from suffering. So when you look at this psalm, there's, there's two primary sources of suffering, or I might say two primary um, metaphors of suffering for the people of Israel. And one is the danger from wild animals being torn into pieces and being devoured. And the other is the danger from raging floodwaters being overflowed and, and swept away. And both of those aspects of suffering are found in two very important messianic psalms. So Psalm 22, verses 12 to 18, where we get reference to the wild animals, um, and, and that's part of the suffering of the Messiah. And in the floodwaters in Psalm 69 and verse number 2, likewise part of the suffering of the Messiah. And if you read both of, of those psalms, you realize that those images that are used each in, in each of those psalms, those images that are used lead to death and resurrection imagery. So what, what, is, the, what is the point of that when... You, you sort of bring these things together. Well, the, the point is, is that the Messiah has gone through their sufferings or would go through their sufferings. You know, when the time that this was written, the Messiah had not been born and come into the world yet. But they're, they're being told repeatedly as Israel is lamenting all of their afflictions and all of their sufferings and, and um, all, of the, all of the people rising up against them, that the Messiah came and he actually endured all of that even through death and rising again. And this is exactly what Israel is going to acknowledge and confess in their future conversion. So when you read like Isaiah chapter 53, 
that is a prophecy of that future conversion of Israel and their confession um, of how they rejected their Messiah, how um, you know all of their, their sins were laid on him, that through his stripes we are healed, all, all, of, those, all of those sort of things. So this sort of a psalm that, that isolates God as being the only hope, we put together with these other pieces to see that it is the Messiah entering into those sufferings of Israel, bearing them even through death and the grave to come out the other side and to gain victory over them. And it's because of that that Israel has hope and that those promises will be fulfilled. All right, let's go to application. Just have one application here in particular. Um, understanding Psalm 124 does help us understand the history, um, the present, and the future for Israel. So even now, um, you know, we are witnessing an example of the sort of hatred and the sort of attacks and the efforts against them to destroy them and to take away their possession and all that sort of thing. I mean, we're, we're seeing um, this happening even at this moment. Um, and that is really nothing more or less than what has happened throughout history in many different ways. So, but one thing we do need to understand is that the modern Israeli state is not the fulfillment of any particular prophecy but it is the evidence of the truth of this psalm as well as many others in other words if the lord wasn't on their side they wouldn't even exist as a people they, they wouldn't even be here um, to be under attack and and so on so it, it does um speak to the um to the promises of God and, and the preservation of them as a people. Now, the, again, the modern Israeli state is also not the nation of future restoration. Um, yes, there are a number um, that are there, but they, they are still yet people of, of Israel, people descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that are scattered throughout the nations. And that what is there now is not what is going to be there but again the fact that it's there um, again just speaks to the truthfulness and and the certainty of God's promises and how they have endured um, all these many years and will and will uh, no doubt be fulfilled and they will be um, restored in the future all right